0: We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com filmdaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash filmdaily hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for friday june 2nd 2023 on today's episode of the show we are going to be talking about the latest film and tv news my name is ben pearson i'm an editor at slashfilm.com and i'm joined on today's episode by slash film editor jacob hall hello hello all right jacob before we get into the news today we have an announcement about the future of the show
1: yeah uh due to the needs of slash film due to resources being stretched in different directions uh slash film daily is undergoing some rebranding there's some changes uh Starting next week, Slash Film Daily will become the Slash Film show. And instead of being a daily show, it will run twice a week. Uh slightly longer episodes, a little bit meatier episodes, going into, you know, more news items per day. Uh but it is going to mean, you know, Slash Film Daily is a daily bite-sized podcast. You know, we'll be phasing into a slightly longer, twice a week show that will still cover all the same things we always have covered. Uh same rotating people. Ben will still be hosting, but we'll have a new name and it will you know just be published a little bit differently so this is not you know this is not like a decision that was made lightly it's purely about honestly the economics of it will bore you <laughs> just know <laughs> that this is not something we did casually it's not saying that um it's not saying that we did it on, on a whim uh and i know this may people listening to us for you know it's a daily show for goodness gracious uh six years now you know I, we appreciate everything you've given to us as listeners And we hope to maintain a level of quality that we've always given to you, just twice a week now.
0: Yeah, and speaking of quality, Jacob, one thing I'm excited about with the going down to two times a week thing is now we might be able to add sound effects into the show. Uh, You know, we might be able to get have a little fun. uh, You know, mess around with some more more serious uh, topics at certain times. Um,
1: I mean, we were talking about Christopher Nolan getting
0: sexy. That's true, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, there's some customizable options here now. So I think you know, as we're transitioning into a, a new era of uh, of the the future of this podcast, um, we can you know have a little bit of fun with it too. So stay tuned yeah. for that if you're if you've been a long time listener and the slash uh, film show. Yes, indeed. All right, so let's get into the news here. You mentioned Christopher Nolan. Uh, the news from I think this was from, from yesterday is that uh, Oppenheimer, the new Christopher Nolan movie, is going to be rated R, which doesn't really sound like much until you realize that this is actually going to be christopher nolan's first r-rated movie in 20 years which is kind of um i don't know like a, a, i guess a, a milestone moment in a certain way because he's become you know arguably one of the dominant filmmakers of the past two decades and he's been doing so in the pg-13 space um and now oppenheimer is going back to his sort of like r-rated roots what do you think about this jacob uh, a few things one Oppenheimer's reportedly three hours long It's a World War
1: II era biopic. It's a major IMAX release targeted toward an adult audience, even before we knew it was R rated. You know, 13 year olds aren't excited for Oppenheimer. And it's, uh, to me, clear evidence that Universal bent over backwards to get Christopher Nolan in their camp. After Nolan broke up with WB, it is, you know, he went hunting from their studio, and Universal clearly said, We'll throw money at you. What do you want? As long as you do a one for us, one for them type thing. (laughs) I, I don't think that. I don't think *Alpine get, Gets gets it made is an R-rated, three-hour-long movie, unless Universal's desperate for the next Christopher Nolan-like traditional blockbuster after this.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's interesting too because uh, this movie is rated R for quote sexuality, nudity, and language, um, which is fascinating because I think one of the uh, I guess criticisms that's been levied against Nolan as a filmmaker is that he's not a particular um, a, a particularly um, uh, sensual filmmaker i guess like sexuality has not really been at the forefront of any of his storytelling um in, in any sort of meaningful way and like maybe this marks uh, a pivot in interests for him or maybe this this particular story just has that uh, built in as, as part of the framework or something so um yeah just sort of like a notable difference from what people i guess are, are have been used to seeing from nolan movies for the past 20 years
1: yeah, I, I would even call Nolan's films asexual because that, that suggests you know a lack of interest in sex. Whereas Nolan's films have tipped their hands at sex and romance, but they've always been chased to the point of being a non-entity in them. I mean, I mean, does Batman do more than hold hands with any of the women in Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies? I, I don't think so. I mean, it's not. There's like cert- I, I'm joking. I'm exaggerating, but Christopher Nolan has not been a sexy filmmaker. He's no Wong Kar Wai. So yeah. it's one of those cases where if if Oppenheimer is this this movie set during a backdrop of a war is not radar for violence, but for language and for sexuality. I'm legitimately curious what that looks like. I wonder if Nolan heard the criticisms. If he said, you want sexy, you want sexy Nolan, here we go. And I want (laughs) to, my question to you is Ben, do you think that, not to get off on a tangent, but do you think Christopher Nolan's past films haven't been sexy because he's just not been interested in that subject or is it because uh, his story simply didn't call for it?
0: Yeah, that's that's the question, isn't it? Um, it's so interesting because filmmaking is such a personal thing. Obviously, there's like, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of voices and, and uh, collaborators that go into these things. But we we tend to like uh, ascribe authorship to this one person. And in this case, no one, I think his like, you know, filmmaking style is such that it sort of supports that, um, that sort of auteurist reading so it's we ascribe like intentions and and meanings and like you know personalizations in a way that maybe we wouldn't for other filmmakers too yeah. so this is especially um,
1: true for, for nolan though because let's, let's let's compare him to another filmmaker he's a very good filmmaker uh, let's say james Mangold. he's on my mind because of indiana jones right now mm-hmm. james Mangold makes really good movies i've enjoyed more Mangold movies than i have not uh you, you know he did logan ford v ferrari um uh, copland copland uh the remake of um the 310 Yuma mm-hmm. really really good filmmaker but he's the kind of guy who shows up reads the script says okay i can make this and then delivers on the project that's in front of him he's a real john ford type in that way john ford i think despite you know having similar interest in visual flourishes, was a filmmaker who throughout the you know from the 30s through the 20s through the 60s was able to like step up to the plate in a variety of genres and deliver like knockout films that you know didn't necessarily bear his distinctive touch at all times, uh, even though they, were, even though you can get more granular than that. I think that Mangold's working in the in the method of the old school Hollywood operator guy who is like shows up and does the work and does it well. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nolan, despite being a guy who makes massively successful blockbuster movies, is you look at his work and the same trends repeat themselves. Uh, he's, he's interested in like five or six things and they come up over and over again. It's not a mm-hmm. bad thing. Sidney Cooper is also interested in five or six things. They come up over and over again. Hitchcock interested in five or six things come up over and over again. So, Nolan invites his comparison. If you told me that James Mangold made a sexy movie, i go, oh yeah, it makes sense. He made Kate leopold Leopold, uh, which is a, you know, a, a rom-com, but it makes sense. There's a, he's, a, he's shown interest in romance before, mm-hmm. whereas Nolan simply hasn't. So,
0: uh, Nolan, you brought this upon yourself, good sir. <laughs> yes definitely uh all right let's talk about uh ted lasso the future of ted lasso um i i really jacob i i'm bound by the strictures of time for for this episode i know that like we can't go so long i i so want to have like a separate conversation with you about the end of ted lasso and what you think about that but i guess we'll let's table our reaction to the actual uh potential series finale. We don't even know because Apple has been so vague about that. Um, but let's let's address the possible future of Ted Lasso. So Brendan Hunt, who is a, a writer on the show and he also is an actor, he plays Coach Beard, uh, I guess participated in a Reddit Ask Me Anything session yesterday. And somebody said, what is the most ambiguous way you can answer the season four spinoff questions? And he responded, my pat answer that is also 100% true is is we don't know. We need a break and we will take one presently. Nothing has been ruled out. Everything is possible, but that includes the possibility that we're done. We won't know until we've sat with it for a while, decompressed, etc. So my understanding is that Ted Lasso, in its form that we've seen it, was always pitched as a three-season show. Um, it's it's so strange, Jacob, that that Apple TV Plus and I think Warner Brothers TV, which is the the I guess, TV studio that produces the show, nobody has officially said as of, as of this recording right now, which is Friday, you know, June 2nd, uh, nobody has officially said what the future of this show is and whether or not the episode that debuted earlier this week is actually the series finale or not. Um, there's been a lot of talk about possible spinoffs, but, uh, but nothing has been like officially confirmed. So what do you think about these comments and what do you think about like what the future of the show could be or should be?
1: Uh could be is one of the spin-offs they clearly seem to be setting up in the finale. There are several th- threads planted relationships that I feel like they've deliberately disentangled or have set up in a quick shot. I feel like, you know, spin-off potential that don't even have Ted in them. We see uh uh Keeley pitch, you know, silently a female uh football team, uh uh to Rebecca, her boss. We see um Roy Kent and uh Jamie Tarts uh friendship turned into a rivalry again. We see all these things where like you can see the potential, you know, wacky wacky spin-offs happening in the margins. So I don't I think Ted Lasso is done. I think that Apple's being serious about wanting to do uh spin-off shows set in the, the, the lasso verse for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh but I know you don't want to dwell too much in the finale, but the entire state of season three thinks that the lasso verse has run its course. As somebody who uh thinks that seasons one and two are remarkably good uh, after season three, I'm I'm done. I'm done with these characters, and I, I don't. I it, w- it would physically pain me to
0: try to watch them be harmed more. Wow, wow, that that is strong. Because I, I I was wondering if like maybe a spinoff might be the sort of like brush of a uh, brush of uh, breath of fresh air that this show might need. You know, where like the the idea of like not having the weight of expectation that um that the show really found itself uh, burdened with after that wildly uh, successful but surprisingly successful first season um maybe removing that element from it might actually open the show up in a way that the new spinoff up in a way to um i don't know like have some more uh take some more creative risks and and um or or maybe actually like settle into a groove in a way that the original show never did because it it felt like so like ambitious beyond its reach in in a way that um I think rubbed me the wrong way and, and seem to have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But, uh, but yeah, maybe we'll have like a full on Ted Lasso episode coming up in, in the, in the weeks to come or something like that. But
1: um uh, I, Ben, I, you, you wrote an article on the site explaining where you think Ted Lasso season three went wrong, isolating on one character. I know you don't want to talk about it too much, but do you feel like the people like let's say Bill Lawrence, the original showrunner, can't return at all. He's too busy with shrinking a show that was very well liked for the same people who enjoyed uh, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Let's say he doesn't come back. Let's say it's the same people currently running the show who are tasked with coming out with Ted Lasso spinoffs. Do you want to see those?
0: Well, the thing is, the people who are currently running the show, from my understanding anyway, and again, I'm not like super deep into, you know, knowing every single nook and cranny of what happens in that writer's room, but uh, Jason Sudeikis was the, the person sort of, like, who, who took over as, like, the sole showrunner in the third season. And the whole reason that the show, I think, is, has come to an end is because he doesn't want to be overseas anymore. He wants to come back to the United States and live with his kids, uh, which is totally understandable. So I think the idea that, like, the spinoff would be um, creatively shepherded by Sudeikis doesn't seem, you know, he'll probably get, like, a, a vanity EP credit or something like that, but it does not seem like the most likely outcome to me. I'm guessing the, the, um, creative voice would come from somewhere else. Um, do you think so, of Brendan Hunt maybe, maybe, or Brett Goldstein, who I think was like one of the, uh, he plays Roy Kent, uh, Roy Kent on the show. And he was also, I think a, a showrunner in the early days, definitely part of the writer's room and, and maybe even like a co-creator of the series, certainly like a, the key creative voice. Um, so maybe he would take the reins, uh, and that might be an interesting thing. So, um, yeah i'm I'm not ready to like fully close the book on this universe uh but oh boy season three certainly um left a bad taste in my mouth so like yeah'm I'm, I'm very glad that like the um the saga show <laughs> if you will is done and then maybe the the spin-offs will now begin but um I guess before we continue into the world of spin-offs, let's take a a quick break and then we'll be right back all right so speaking of spin-offs Jacob uh we have to talk about my favorite news story of the week which is that Dwayne Johnson has announced that he is going to be returning as Hobbs in a new standalone Fast and Furious spinoff movie. So uh, you, I think you enjoyed Fast X to to some degree, right? I think you and I were like a couple of the people on Slash Film staff who enjoyed that movie, right? Yeah, we we were both pretty high on it compared to a lot of people, and we both really liked it. Yeah, so uh, that movie for, I guess, spoiler alert for Fast X – um, which people probably know already, but Dwayne Rock Johnson returns as Hobbs in the post-credits scene for Fast X and sets up uh, the idea that he's returning to this franchise in a, in a pretty major way. So in his announcement earlier this week, he said that he's going to appear in this standalone movie that is going to serve as a bridge between Fast X and its sequel. Um, we don't know who else is going to be in the movie. We don't really know. Even if Jason Momoa's uh, Dante, the, the villain of fast X is going to appear in this sequel. He teased Hobbs facing off with Dante, but said something like, but that's for down the road. And I, don't, I wasn't clear if he meant that's for down the road. When this movie, this standalone film begins production, or if he means for, you know, fast 11, basically. Um, but there's so much interesting stuff to, to parse here, Jacob, because like, obviously the, the, uh, feud between the rock and Vin Diesel has been legendary over the past several years. The idea that, that he would be coming back, um, at all means that, uh, speaking of, um, gaps being bridged that certainly happened for him to come back in the post credit scene of fast X. Uh, now he's getting his own standalone movie. There's no mention of Jason Statham at all. So, uh, there's a lot to, to think about to parse here. What do you, what do you make of all this?
1: I guess my number one question, Ben, I'm very curious about your thoughts on this. Was the Vin Diesel-Dwayne Johnson feud real? Or was it, as the wrestling term goes, kayfabe, a, uh, a, an act to build
0: tension and suspense? Man, there was a period where I believed that it was all staged. Um, because I just thought there was too much money to be made. And like the idea of drumming up uh, stories from behind the scenes and like, you know, keeping the Fast and Furious in people's minds, even when the movies weren't in theaters, it just made so much sense. And the idea that, that Johnson obviously comes from the world of wrestling, like he's, you know, I think you and I both believe that Dwayne Johnson as a an actor has become like wildly uninteresting over the past several years. But as a public figure, he certainly knows how to, you know, stay in the limelight and like you know, uh, keep the, the spotlight on him. Um, and I think for a long time, I thought, okay, this is all just, a you know, uh, an act, but I've, I've heard enough stories now of like people being genuinely frustrated with Vin Diesel behind the scenes that, <laughs> that I think I've, I've changed my opinion and and changed my tune to thinking that like those two genuinely did, you know, almost if not come to blows, then like, you know, uh, go ahead, head and, and, and have their, spats and all of that kind of stuff i I think all of that was actually real and then i think the realities as ryan mentioned on one of the previous episodes of the show like the realities of uh black adam not performing nearly as well as the rock hoped and uh, you know jungle cruise not performing you know to the degree that i'm sure he he wanted um probably necessitated and sort of led to this what is now being built as like a triumphant return to this franchise but I would guess in an alternate universe, if those other projects, uh, you know, blew up and in a big way, Dwayne Johnson would have been very content to just, just sort of say goodbye and never have to deal with Vin Diesel again. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, let's just say that
1: I've heard enough Vin Diesel stories to believe he's a difficult pain in the ass. I don't I won't say anything's going to get me fired. Um, yeah. Uh, but like, buy me a drink sometime in person, and I'll tell you some Vin diesel stories. And also I've heard stories about Dwayne Johnson saying that no matter what you feel about him as an actor, I am certainly unimpressed by him recently. Uh, he shows up and he does the work. He's a hard worker, and he takes things very seriously, and he is personally invested in his projects to a degree that some people may think is unhelpful. Um, so they're very, very different styles of actor, very different styles of human being. Uh, so I 100% believe it's real. I really do. I think. I think that... Maybe they'll play it off as kayfabe and, and and you know be buddied by the red carpet, but mm-hmm. I think you just watch what happens. You watch Dwayne Johnson not appear in Fast and Furious Nine and go off and make a series of films that don't do well, and he hyped Black Adam in a massive way. That movie was it's not a disaster. I think the headlines saying is it's a, it's one of the biggest bombs of all time uh, are wildly overstated, but it is very much a disappointment. Nobody at Warner Brothers is happy with Black Adam, and nobody is happy with. Uh, how Dwayne Johnson uh, pushed his weight around on Mm -hmm. that movie. Um, I think what this means is that um, Dwayne Johnson's reached a point where, you know, his personal brand is still strong. If he, you know, gets paid a million dollars, Instagram posts, you know, he's going to be fine for the rest of his life. But, you know, his movie career has tanked a bit. People like, people like the rock. They don't like the rock movies, but they like fast and furious movies. And I think that Dwayne Johnson rightfully realizes that the strongest point of his career was when he was, you know, playing foil to Vin Diesel in the and movies because I don't think there's a better character in the ensemble than Hobbes, but only when he's probably the ensemble. I, think, I don't think Hobbes and Shaw works where he's the star, yeah. but where he's, where he's part of the texture of this larger group of weirdos. He sings in a way that I think really, really makes the best possible use of his abilities as an actor. And I hope he, I hope he's realized that. And I hope that this is a, a chance for him to you know, put aside the ego that led the Black Adam and realizing that maybe... Holding, hold, plugging his nose, and working with Vin Diesel—it's the best way to, you know, for the audience to keep smiling with the raucous cooking, not the break that yeah. little catchphrase.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I, I think like I—I uh, I hated Hobson Shaw. I think it's. <laughs> I don't know, probably the worst Fast and Furious movie of the whole thing. Um, So I'm not particularly like upset that Jason Statham, who I love and and appreciate and really like as a performer and a presence. um, I'm not like particularly sad that he's not mentioned here because I don't particularly like the chemistry that those two characters had in that film. Oh, it's terrible. So uh, yeah, they were constantly like just making quote unquote jokes all the time and like bickering and it just was not nearly as amusing as i think everybody who made the movie hoped it would be so yeah i, I think it's much cleaner to just have hobbs come back and like maybe I, the the thing that i'm so curious about is like where does this movie take place on the timeline when are we going to see this compared to uh, what they're calling um or what somebody is calling fast x part two which I, I think you mentioned like you really hope that that ends up being the final name just because the naming convention of this particular franchise is so insane um Or Fast 12 minus 1, you know, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I think Fast 10 Part 2 is scheduled to come out in 2025. So, like, could they make this standalone movie in between now and then and get it out in theaters and then still have The Rock have enough time to be a major presence in Fast 10 Part 2? Or do you think that they will finish the franchise and then, like, the main, you know, quote-unquote saga movies, and then spin spinoff will come out after that that will fill in the gaps of what happened between fast X and fast X part two. I mean, that would be like a totally bonkers narrative choice, but uh, this franchise has certainly shown that it can go back in time and fill in gaps before. So what do you think about that? I mean, that's going really be anticlimactic. I mean, it makes sense for it to come out first because when we get spoiled for fast
1: X, but in the credit scene, the rock is going you know dress in military gear is leading a team through a mansion, looking for Dante. And the, the big question is how does he get here? You know, how does, why is he hunting for him? Why is he with his team? Uh why is there a vendetta here? What, what what's bringing these two together? Yeah. I think an action movie where the rock's daughter is kidnapped, or or the oh sorry, Hobbs' daughter is kidnapped or something like that, and he's searching for Dante who did it, that's a you know, that's compelling enough reason to bring those two together and lead to him and maybe fighting another bad guy, uh, which leads to him in that mansion, leads to that stinger, leads to uh him re entering the fray in Fast X Part two. Um but I don't See how that story is satisfying. Presumably, Dante gets defeated, dies, or joins the family right. <laughs> in Fast <laughs> X Part Two. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the question is: Do, we, do we, would audiences want to see that story after they've seen the conclusion of Jason Momoa's character? I think the answer is no. So I My, I, I, I have a like...
0: pitch for you, Jacob. Um, okay. All right. Are you ready for this? So I think uh, the only way this works in in that um, formulation where like Fast X Part part two comes out and then this spinoff comes out is if the first half of the spinoff is what happens before part two and then the back half continues the story beyond where the saga officially ends which again would be like so chaotic and so ridiculous but very much in line with the history of this franchise so i kind of hope that that actually happens i'm not sure if they'll go that far are you Um, pitching this to be the born ultimatum Yes, yeah, actually. Uh yeah, I think so. Or 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 maybe a little bit of born legacy in there too. But, um <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be like super entertaining. So, uh and and it could potentially lead to um you know, even more spin-offs, which is like what they're talking about doing with this franchise now. So, like I could see a world in which this uh fills in that gap sort of picks up the baton and takes it past the, the end point of this uh, saga franchise and then like introduces other characters that could then spin off into their own projects or something from there. So um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see, but do you have any, like, do you have a preference, Jacob, of like what you, how you want to see this franchise end?
1: It's
0: a good question. I
1: want it to end with Jason Momoa's corpse strapped up around the table in Dom's yard as everybody (laughs) force feeds him a Corona saying, see, he's family too. He's family too. We, We made it guys. We made
0: it. Everyone's family. And they cheer. And that's the end of the movie. Ooh, dark, dark, Jacob, dark stuff. What a way to go out for for Slash Film Daily. That's a great uh, end cap for us, I think. But we're welcoming in the Slash Film Show. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, yes, you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Uh, yeah, the slash film show starting next week will be published twice a week, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slash film.com. Uh, leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week.